Good morning. It's been an interesting series. The intent of the series was really to show that Christmas. Uh, I need a place to put this. I'll have to put it right here. Christmas wasn't always what we always make it out to be as we walk through the holiday season, right? Back in the day, it was gritty, it was dark, it was a lot of suffering, a lot of different things that were going on that we really don't celebrate, so to speak. And so we've had messages on God is in the valleys. We have to know the mountaintop experiences, but understand we meet God in the valleys, that God is with us, Emmanuel, thing we sing, sing about all throughout Christmas, God is with us in the valleys. God is with us in the wilderness. Our deepest needs really become a gift when we depend on God, right? Um, and so we, we looked at that series in that way, trying to give a different picture of what Christmas is. Before I go any further, I just I want to do one thing. I want to apologize for Christmas Eve service. I played a video that I think um, was inappropriate for a younger audience. Uh, I didn't realize the kids were going to be in service. And so you, I, you have my apologies. Uh, otherwise, I would have done something different. And you're probably thinking, well, how did, didn't you know the kids were in service? You're looking out. And I says, my rule of thumb is I tend not to look at anybody in particular because, one, if I, you know, I don't want people to think I'm preaching to them, even though we are. And the second one is if I see your face and you're displeased with what I'm saying in my message, it helps to hurt my enthusiasm as I go through the rest of my message. So I ask for your forgiveness and your mercy on that. As we go into today's message, talking about storms, it's the same thing. We, we look at all these different passages. They really weren't Christmas messages, so to speak, except to remind us that it doesn't matter what's going on in life, God is with us. And so I look at this, and when it looks at storms, I did some research on storms I thought was fascinating. Did you know that there's about 760 storms every hour on the earth? It's pretty amazing. And a typical thunderstorm releases an amount of energy greater than that of atomic bomb blast at Hiroshima by simply condensing water that becomes rain. Isn't it amazing when you think about it? Lieutenant Colonel Rankin, I learned this when I was in the Army, was the only person to have parachuted into a thunderstorm cloud. The interesting thing is he was kept up in the air from an updraft for 40 minutes. Isn't it amazing? Can you imagine what was going through his head in the midst of the storm? In July 2001, rainfall fell in Karela, India, and it was blood red. Interesting, huh? As a result of human-induced Earth's surface change, Atlanta, Georgia actually has its own weather with thunderstorms triggered by heating over the city of Atlanta and its growth. Kind of interesting. An extreme temperature of 87 degrees Celsius, which is 189 degrees Fahrenheit, grass that, was recorded during a heat burst in Iran. It was a rare atmosphere phenomenon that occurs at the end of a weakening thunderstorm cluster characterized by rapid increase in temperature, one of the highest uh, temperatures recorded on Earth. It's unwise, I didn't know this either, it's unwise to shower during a thunderstorm because lightning can travel through your plumbing. Did anybody know that? Unbelievable, huh? Make you think twice. There's all kinds of storms out there, right? There's, there's ice storms. There's hail storms. The worst damage of any storm in America was a hail storm in Texas back in the early 80s. A snowstorm. In 1972, a snowstorm hit Iran, 
dropping eight meters of snow and covering 20, 220 different cities. Eight meters, just to translate, is like 26 feet of snow. Isn't that amazing? There's thunderstorms, tropical storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, derrick uh, thunderstorms, which are fast-moving thunderstorms that can cause hurricane-force winds, tornadoes, heavy rain, and flash floods. Up until Hurricane Katrina, the death toll from Derricos and, uh, and hurricanes in the U.S. was the same. Isn't that unbelievable? Never even knew about it. See, here's the issues with storms. Some are predictable and some are not. One of the first things I want us to look at is when we look at this story that God sends some storms and allows other storms in our life. I wish it wasn't true. Um, I wish all of life could be smooth and trouble-free, but it just ain't so. No one will have a trouble-free life. Jesus said in, in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Life is full of troubles. Like storms and the different storms we have, there's different storms in life. There's medical storms, sickness, disease, accidents, birth defects, viruses. There's relational storms, divorce, Abuse, fighting, wars, financial reversals. There's emotional storms, depression, loneliness, despair, disillusionment. There's financial storms, unemployment, bankruptcy, unexpected expenses. And there's spiritual storms, our own disobedience, our doubt. And ultimately, our distrust of the Word of God. But here's some good news. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. And that's good news for all of us. But here's the interesting thing when we read the text, Jason read the text. What I love about what Paul said, he said a lot of great things about hope and God was in control. But what I love is what he didn't say. He didn't say, relax, God's going to take away the storm and calm the seas and cause the wind to be with us. No, here's what he said. Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and have not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Now, when you first read that, you're probably thinking Paul's kind of prideful here. It's the old I told you so. But that's not what he's saying. He's really pointing out something to show discernment and to show and relate it back to, to God, which I think is important. Yet I now urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told but we must run aground on some island. He's basically saying, you're going to be okay, but everything that, about this ship and everything in it is not. Hang on, it's going to be a wild ride, but guess what? God's in control. And God is with us. 
The question is, does God send the storm or does he allow it? And is there a difference? To me, not really. I mean, when you think about it, if you're standing up to your ears in storm waters about to drown, does it matter whether he sent it or allowed it? No. You know you're in it. And what's most important about doing that, you need to understand that God's in it with us. Storms, some storms are a result of sin. You chose to drink and drive and get in an accident and injure someone else and find yourself in jail. You are the ones that decided to, to, and we are the ones that decide to overspend and get in debt. We're the ones that, that go into relationships and neglect them or do something that we know is wrong to do and then wonder why we're in turmoil. We cause our own storms sometimes by the behaviors we take place and the things that we do. But in one sense, it doesn't matter whether he sent it or allowed it. As from God, they both have their design. He's going to use it for our good, as Romans tells us, right? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't mean all things are good. It just means God will use everything, even our sin, for our good. Why? Because he's with us. And he loves us. And he cares about us. In 1955, a thunderstorm in Belgium set off 40,000 pounds of buried explosives left over from World War I battle of Messines. The only casualty was one lone cow. Storm brought about good. And the same thing is true in our lives. God intends to bring about good. I think one of the key reflections I want you to meditate on today and throughout the week is this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in the midst of that storm. He's there. He's always with us. He is Emmanuel. God is present in the present. He's also in the future, which should tell us he's always in control. And we need not worry. We need we not doubt. We can trust his steady hand. Acts 27, 20 says, When neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, no small tempest lay on us. All hope of our being saved was last abandoned. In other words, they lost hope. They saw everything going on around them, the storm, the raging seas, and everything else, and they lost hope because they didn't realize who God was and what what he was intending to do. God sends storms or allows storms for, I think, two reasons. One, to bring back the wayward people. There are no, no, there, if there were no storms, think about it. If there were no storms, I think a lot of us would go deeper and deeper into our sin, thus drifting further and further away from God. If you could sin and everything was okay, you would just sin all the more. If we didn't reap what we sow, like Scripture says, we would just keep on reaping, wouldn't we? And sowing. See, storms get our attention and cause us to realize there's a problem right now. Storms cause us to ask why. Storms make us aware of of where we are and more importantly is where we should be. Storms cause us to long for help, safety, security, home. 
Storms are designed to cause us to repent, not a popular word these days, to repent and come back to God's design for our lives. There's a purpose there. All too often we see life as either we're going about to go into a storm, we're in the midst of the storm, or we're coming out of a storm. Not really a warm and fuzzy feeling about how life's supposed to be, is it? And oftentimes when we get ready, we, when the storm's coming, we first thought is, how did this happen? Don't we ask that question? And then we're in the midst of the storm, we say, why did this happen? But when we come out of the storm, don't we always realize, wow, what God did in and through me in that storm was incredible. Isn't that true? But I think we get impatient I think we get impatient because we're in a society that wants things changed now. And it just doesn't happen that way. Sanctification in Scripture is a process that lasts a lifetime. We're all being molded. We're all being changed. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We all do things we don't want to. And I'm hoping that we're all willing to forgive each other in the process of doing that. I think storms come because sometimes God wants us to put us in a place where we just focus on Him. I also think God sends or allows storms to create and strengthen our faith in Him. Faith in self is natural, isn't it? We all tend to have faith in who we are and how we think, what we know, what our skills are. But faith in God is kind of unnatural, Our natural tendency is to believe what we can see, prove, recreate in the lab. Left to ourselves, we become prone to trust in self and our ability to control and guide. That's why the Tower of Babel is a great story in Scripture. It's really all about mankind believing in mankind and not thinking he needed God. It takes something supernatural, spiritual, to cause us to put our faith in what we cannot see, in what we cannot touch or prove, or reproduce in a lab. 1 Peter says this, 4, 12 through 13, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. We're going to have things that happen to us that are going to be unpleasant, they're going to be difficult and uncomfortable. And I think sometimes that's a good place to be. It's probably the only time we have self-reflection. It's probably the only time we really take a look at ourselves and sort of get downwind from ourselves, which I think all of us need to do, don't we? In the storms, God wants us to see Him, to see His power, to see His love, to see His wisdom, to see His hope, to see His providential hand. In order to do that, He has to do something that causes us not to be able to rely on self, in theories, in science. In some other person, he wants us to see him. In other words, we have to come to the end of ourselves in the midst of the storm to rely and trust in what God's doing 
regardless of whether he caused it or he allowed it. To me, it's interesting. Um, I want to get it right. 205 years ago, the War of 1812. I don't know if anybody really knows this. I never knew it. The War of 1812, the British actually took over Washington, D.C., right? The British flag flew from the Capitol building. The only thing that got the British troops to leave was a heavy thunderstorm. They had set fires throughout the city. The thunderstorm put out all the fires. It's referred to as history as the the storm that saved Washington, right? It put all the fires out, and the winds were so bad, it was battering the British ships in the harbor, so they left to protect the fleet. That was the only thing that got them out. Isn't it interesting? Again, do we think that's God's providential hand for our nation? I'd like to think so. It made the people in Washington understand that. And it's interesting that the general, the British general, was communicating with the president's wife because they had a relationship before, and he said to her, man, this weather is so unbelievable and unbearable. Is this how it always is? And she goes, no, this is the hand of God to move you out. To me, that was faith. She realized God had a purpose in every storm in our lives. The question is, do we? Do we see it? Do we understand it? To me, and when we look at this story, they're throwing everything over, and, and, and at the end of the day, Paul says, don't worry about anything. The only thing that's going to be lost is the ship. There were like 200 and something people on this ship, so it wasn't a small vessel, and everybody on the ship was probably thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live. The only person that probably had a problem with is the guy who owned the boat. But at the end, it's all stuff. It's interesting. God says in this life, you're only going to lose stuff, the temporary things and the stuff of this world. But you can't lose what is eternal, which is what the purpose of the storm is supposed to draw out. I love 2 Corinthians. Paul, talking to the church at Corinth in chapter 4, says this in verse 16 through 18. So we don't lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The storms come from a reason. I think when you think about it, if you lose your car, it's only something, a possession. It's not your life. If you lose your job, it's only something that you earn to make a living. It's not your life. If you get sick and your, your, your body's starting to wear, it, it's not your life. It's temporal. The body is... It's just that. It's a, it's a thing that we walk around in this earth with. It's temporal. If you've ever done a funeral of a young person, it's tough. I know Jason did a funeral yesterday of somebody that was young, and I remember doing my nephew's uh, funeral at 25. And here's the toughest thing. When you're standing talking about a loved one to a family, You want to communicate that it was just the body. It was temporal. There's an eternal perspective that you got to take here. 
It's hard because we love the body. It's the thing we relate to. But God is always getting us to look at the eternal and why it's so important to preach the gospel. To tell people there's more than what you see in front of you, what you have, who you are, what your bank account looks like, what your title is at work. There's more to all of that. That's all temporal. At the end of the day, when you're lying there and no one's in there, you want people to know you're still alive. It's the call of the church amidst all the storms. We have to remember that the storm has a way of separating the important from the unimportant. Don't you realize that? Your kid gets an accident, the first thing you say, are you okay? You lose your job, that's okay, you're still okay, you're going to get another job. You have a relationship that happens and fails, that's okay, God is with you. He is with us. He will work through this. Peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus in the storm. I love how Paul said to Timothy, in Second uh, Timothy four seventeen, when everyone had deserted him, have you been there? When you felt everybody deserted you, or betrayed you, he says this to Timothy. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And I love how Paul writes. When you read Paul, look for this little phrase. So that you're going to see it a couple times in the balance of the sermon. So that through me. The message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. In other words, Paul was saying, hey, this is happening for a greater purpose. This isn't about the temporal. It's about the eternal. It's about the message of Christ that transforms desertion, betrayal, denial. Transforms all that. David knew that too, reflecting on his relationship with God. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand and I shall not be shaken that's that confidence not in them for we're all weak and we're all we're all prone to fail aren't we we're all going to do some things that we all regret I'm no different just because I'm a pastor I have my failings I'm sure I'll disappoint you more in the future, hopefully not, never intentional. But things happen. We all know that, right? Nature sometimes gets the best of all of us. I know it has me. But you know what? I look at this and I realize there's a purpose in every storm. God takes what you learn in the storm to help others in the storm to come around and come to know him. Interesting thing. 39 years ago, uh, there was a really major thunderstorm in New York City. So severe, it caused a blackout in all of New York. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, no big deal. Here's the thing that was cool about it. It was the first time people living in New York City could actually see the Milky Way galaxy. They couldn't do it before because all the lights and everything else, they couldn't see it before. It's amazing. Sometimes when darkness comes over you, it's amazing how good the light seems. It's amazing how the things we see we couldn't see before because we were so caught up in the temporal, the eternal wasn't as important as it should have been. And it should be. There's all kinds of storms in life. 
you're a cancer survivor. You went through that storm. And for some of you here, I know you're going through that storm right now. You know what the call of God is? Is to help someone in the midst of that same storm. You've overcome unfaithfulness in your marriage, some of you. The key to that is that you come out of that and you see how God worked through it is, is to help others learn how to forgive. You've gone through some financial debt in your life and you've come out of it. You're there as a testimony to help other people do the same thing. You're one year sober today. God brought you through that storm to help someone else who's struggling with the same thing. It's amazing how God uses the things in our life to impact lives of those around us. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 5, who comforts us all in our affliction. He's talking about Christ. And there's the word, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share in comfort too. Let me tell you something. I've been through a lot of things in my life, and when I've run in people that are going through the same things, there's an, there's an unbelievable sense of peace and really self-satisfaction when I'm able to share what God did in my life of the thing they're going through right now and how they can trust God in the midst of it. I mean, it's amazing. That's the call of us as believers is to take what's going on in our lives and look how to impact the lives of those around us to think eternal. Because here's the, here's the fact of all of it. God is more powerful than any storm. Than any storm. Paul said, and he said, my God has said that he will keep all of us safe and alive, but allow the boat to be destroyed. In other words, you don't have to worry. My God is faithful. I wonder what, how they changed in terms of their belief after they all got on the island after the shipwreck and went, wow. What you said came true. Tell us about this God. I wonder how many people actually got saved and came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through that event of that storm. See, peace is not the absence of trouble either, but it's the presence of God in the midst of the trouble in your life. To me, we have to understand that God wants us to learn that we can only lose the unimportant, the temporal, and not the important. He said in Acts 27, 25, So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told you. He says, it ain't changing it. None of you are going to be lost. It's going to happen exactly as I have told you. Let me tell you something. You cannot control your situation. A lot of people on that boat were on there, not because they didn't listen to Paul. It's because they were someone else's authority and said, you're going whether you like it or not. How many times have you been put in situations where you found yourself in a storm because of nothing you did but because something someone else did? Right? You're there. It doesn't matter whether God caused it to happen or allowed it to happen. You find yourself there. You can't control your situation. You can't control when the storm starts, how hard it hits, or how long it's going to last. So you might as well just hang on and trust God for whatever that is. You also can't control what people do or say or think. In the ministry, you find that out real quickly. People are going to do and they're going to say and they're going to think things and they're never even going to talk to you. And you just got to realize that, all right, it's a relational storm. I'm going to weather through it. 
You still got to lead as God calls you to lead and not worry about those things. And the same thing is in your life. You got people talking bad about you at work or on your block or in your family or whatever it may be. You got to ask yourself, am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I acting faithfully in regards to the word of God and his call in my life? And if you are, just bear up underneath it because God's in it with you. Because here's what you can control. You can control who you listen to. You can control what you believe. Do you really believe all things work together for the good of those God and are called according to his purpose? Do you really believe that? Even though it seems things bad, do you believe that God's going to work it out for good? You can also control where you place your faith. Those people on a boat could have placed their faith in the boat. But a big mistake. They should place their faith in the one who controls the sea, the wind, and the waves. The boat's immaterial. The boat's temporal. God's after the eternal. And what you can also control, most importantly, is what you say and do. Right? Paul knew he had to say the right things to give God glory, and then he had to do the right thing to give God glory and trust God for all of it, because in that passage, it says when they ran ashore, the, 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 the Romans were going to kill all the prisoners because they were afraid they were going to flee. But the head centurion, it says, convinced them not to do that for the benefit of Paul. Isn't it amazing? For the benefit of one man, all the other ones were saved. And so often in our lives, we don't realize for the benefit of one person how God worked in our lives. Or for our purpose, he's worked in other people's lives. To me, you can do more through suffering than you can do through control. We all want to control. It's hard to surrender. I used to play with my kids when they'd have the guns and they'd put the things on and they'd always want to play, you know, shoot them up or draw them. And then, I'd, you know, they'd put their guns on and they'd walk up to me with their guns on and they'd say, stick them up. And I used to stick them up and say, I surrender. And they'd immediately shoot me. <laughs> and I'd say, that's not how it works. But think about that for a minute. When you surrender, you place yourselves under the authority, whoever you're surrendering to, to do as they please and will, whatever the circumstances are. The question I have for all of us this morning is, are you willing to surrender to Jesus Christ if you're in the midst of a storm? If you're in the midst, whether it's relational, medical, financial, emotional, spiritual, and just say, okay, God, work in and through me in the midst of this storm. I love what the psalmist says. He says in Psalm 46, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that comforting? Therefore, we will not fear. See, when you don't fear, you can walk through a storm in confidence and in boldness. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, God is with us. Us, I shall not fear. Whether I caused the storm or God brought the storm, I can trust God in the storm. Faith is not what I see. Faith is what God says. 
Faith is not what I see. Faith is what God says. Let me tell you something. We have to recognize he is what I need. He is our safety, our security. He is our strength. He is our comforter. He is our defender. He is our redeemer. He is our source. He is our sustainer. He is our provider. He is our insurance. He is our salvation. He's with us. He knows us. He loves us because he is our friend. 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to end with this. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weakness insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have a friend who went through some really difficult storms early in his life. So much so, the effects of those storms affect him to today with incredible bouts of anxiety. Has to take medication just to get on a plane. and He's got other issues. He's a, he's a great guy. But there's triggers that happens in his life that cause him to go into these panic attacks. And it's plagued him his whole life, ever since I've known him. I got to know him through business, and I got to know him as a client of mine, and we got to become really good friends, and I've got to learn about him. And I think a lot of people struggle with the same things. They've been through that storms, but the effect of the storm is so difficult and so taxing in their life that sometimes it's just hard not to feel it when a something happens or somebody says something, different triggers. I know for him the thing he's learned over the years is that he has to get his mind off of what's causing him the anxiety and move it to something else. I think recently he's realized that's God. And he prays. And he focuses on other things and he reads and it gets his mind off of it so he's not at this point of exhaustion and total meltdown. It's really amazing how storms, even after they're over, can really affect us. Because at the end of the day, the enemy wants to use those storms to diminish our light and diminish our effectiveness for the call of Christ. That's all. And we've got to recognize God uses the storms to build us up, empower us, embold us, strengthen us, and give us confidence in who he is so that we can walk through anything and we can help others do the same thing. Amen? And that's the call of understanding God with us in the storm because faith is not what I see. Faith is in what God says. And peace is not the absence of the storm. It's God's presence in the midst of the storms. Amen? Let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and you're going through a storm, I want to tell you God's with you. And not only is he just with you, he's not there as an innocent bystander or an independent observer. He's there as a willing participant to help you walk through the storm and help you get through the storm, and help you see his power and his presence and his sovereignty in the midst of the storm. So wherever you're at this morning, just give it to the Lord. When we start to sing, if you want to come up and just come before the throne here and just kneel down and say, Lord, I'm all yours in the midst of the storm. Help me weather the storm.
That's cool. You can do it right where you're sitting. You don't have to come all the way forward. But let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and you've never realized that Jesus Christ is with us and that he wants to be with you and that you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior because the first thing you've got to save yourself from is sin. The Bible says God can have no part with sin. And the only way to forgiveness of sin is through the shedding of blood, which is what Jesus came to do by the way of the manger. He went right to the cross to give his life, a perfect life, a perfect sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. Think of the storm he survived and he went through for us. And he did it because he wanted you to see that he overcomes the grave. That he is God Almighty creator of heaven and earth, of things that are seen and unseen, that he is the creator of all these things, and he's the one that holds it all together. Isn't that awesome? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ with your life, I'd ask you when we're singing, right where you're at, you can come down and pray with me. I'd be glad to pray with you. You just ask Jesus, look, I recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, come into my heart and take over my life. Help me to weather the storms of this life. Teach me through your word and help me to obey and live a life that is honoring to you. That's all it really takes. It's belief that saves you, not the prayer. It's just the belief that Jesus is who he said he was and that he came to do what he said he was going to do for you and me. It's been an interesting series. I know it's not your typical Christmas series not your typical Christmas messages about the wise man and all the different things that goes on, but it gives us a different perspective to really understand the truth behind Emmanuel, God with us. I was first like, oh man, I don't know if this series is worth doing. It's crazy. But now that I've been through it, my own little storm through it, I realize God's with me. God's with us. Let me say this. In 2019, we're all going to go through storms. We're going to go through storms as a ministry. Why? Because the devil's against what we're trying to do. He's against us as individuals. He's against us as a corporate body. There's going to be storms. We have to recognize that and recognize that it's not about who caused it, why it's happening. It's about what God's going to do through us, right? And if we do that and we understand that, I guarantee you, I don't think the storms will last that long. I, I do believe that when you know God caused the storm, it's easier to be patient in the storm versus when we do it. I do get that part. But no matter how they happen, I want you to realize that, man, we're here for each other. We should be here for each other. Not in judgment, but in understanding and a mutual beneficial relationships. That's the sign of a great church, that we love each other in the midst of the storms. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for being so gracious to us. We thank that, Lord, we can recognize that the presence of the storm doesn't mean you're not there. And all too often, that's what we think because the devil wants to get us to doubt and distrust. Lord, I thank you for being so gracious to us. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for being willing to be with us. Because I know at times, sometimes we're just not good people to be around. We do things that displeases you. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us your grace and your mercy as you say you will. And help us all to realize that look, we're all fallen. And Lord, the only way we're of any value to anybody is through your word and your truth and your life. and your sur- Help us to surrender. Lord, just be with us now as we praise you and give thanks for you. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.